And stay tuned. Coming up next is an encore presentation of the original Loretta Brown show. Loretta decided to take the day off. So until then, we're going to encore you a show she did last month with author and psychic medium Paul Selig. And it's all about beyond the known realization. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And welcome to the original Loretta Brown show radio to open the heart heal the soul and awaken the consciousness. I hope you're having a really, really good morning. I have a wonderful guest today and we're going to have a conversation that I think you're going to like. Before I bring him on, I want to remind you that I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last 27 years and I'm still around. So you can find me at ReikiOasis.com and of course you can find all kinds of archive shows that KKNW, uh, the original Loretta Brown, and we're on all kinds of podcasts. I've been on the air for like 10 years. So uh, find all kinds of wonderful things to help lift yourself up. Also, every Sunday, I do a Sunday meditation with Loretta at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you don't have to join me live. If you sign up, I'll send you a recording. You can listen to it at your convenience. And then this month of August, my class for the Temple of the Divine Feminine will be Saturday, August 21st. Our last class was right at that full moon at Aquarius. And so we're going to bookend it with another class right at the other end <laughs> where we have another full moon in Aquarius. Now, I want to uh, say a few things before I bring my guest on. Currently, we are in the Lion's Gate portal it's a powerful time it goes from july 25th which is often called the day out of time and culminates on august 8th which we just went through but it continues for a few weeks after that with the energies reaching all the way to august 22nd the second full moon in aquarius and the season of virgo i want to share a little bit of information a little bit of channeled information from celia fenn from Stark Child Global. And there's a few comments of my own in here. The Lion's Gate is that time in the sacred year when you begin a new cycle of time and creation. At this time, Sirius rises in the morning sky, conjunct to your sun. And for this creative moment, your planet has two suns, a white gold sun and a blue sun, Sirius, called our spiritual sun. In this magical energy, the planet also aligns with the Lion's Gate in the constellation of Leo, which is 8-8 um, in August. And the royal star Regulus, also known as the heart of the lion. This ushers in a new cycle and a timeline for Earth. The royal lions are the guardians of the Lion's Gate portal. They are time and timeline keepers sometimes called the lions of the past and the future. And this is a potent time of rebirthing. This year, you've been under great pressure to raise your personal frequency and accelerate your evolution so you can commence your new cycle at the highest frequency possible for new earth. This is to enable you to step into the new earth reality and fully activate your new earth, human and human angelic template in your DNA. This will enable you to detach from the lower levels of chaos on the lower timeline and to live in a reality of peaceful and loving community 
as a new earth human. The lion's gate will provide this, <laughs> the energies, the high frequency energies to help activate this transformation and lift you into the new earth higher timeline. So be prepared. It's going to be a wonderful experience. And then in that energy, I want to bring my guest on because, you know, when we have these powerful energies on the earth planet, they provide an opportunity for us. But my guest today is actually one of my favorite people on the planet, truly, Paul Selig. And he's been on my show before. You can go back in the archives and find him. But Paul is an award-winning author, a speaker, a spiritual medium, a psychic, and one of the foremost channelers of today. Paul was born in New York City and received his master's degree from Yale. And he had a spiritual experience in 1987. Well, that was a powerful year. Hmm. That left him clairvoyant, and he has led channeled energy groups ever since. He is described as a medium for the living. He has an extraordinary ability to step into people, and he often takes on their personalities and personal characteristics for the readings and teachings that he does. And his guides, his channeled messages, wow, I think they're really potent and, and needed for today. We're going to be discussing his new book, The Kingdom, a channeled text, book three, the Beyond the Known Trilogy. Paul, thank you so much for coming for our conversation today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So if you could just blow some of that aloha energy, uh -huh. I would love it. <laughs> My uh, daughter lives on the big island in uh -huh. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, so you can give her a little wave for All me. Right. Yeah. So I want to I want to ask you, I just want to fill in a little bit of groundwork for the people that maybe don't know who you are, although I'm I got to be honest with you, I'm always surprised people haven't heard of you because they should. Right. Um, how did you get into being a channel mm -hmm. and what makes your channeling, I'm going to say unique or different than other people? Well, I, how I got into channeling was, was really through the back door. I'm not somebody who necessarily believed in it and put a lot of stock in it. You know, I was uh, a college teacher and I was having a, you know, a different kind of life, but I did start to open up psychically in my mid twenties. And um, as part of getting a context for that, I studied a form of energy healing. And I found that when I had my hands on people's bodies, I began to hear things for them, which were proven out. So as I began to trust the voice that was giving me at that point, just, you know, fragments of information, um, I began to open up and I began to do a group that met in my apartment and it met there in New York City for about 18 years. And it was sometimes three people, sometimes 20. And it was, you know, you had to be invited. I wasn't really looking to be known for this kind of work. Um, but in that group, I began to hear. And I was always much more interested in the energy that would come through when I worked than the information. And it really wasn't until about 2008, which was around the time I actually quit smoking, that the guides began to lecture through me fully. And once I began willing to, be, um, to record the lectures and to transcribe them, which I had not been doing, um, they began delivering entire books. So The Kingdom is the ninth book. 
and the books are all the unedited transcripts of, of these sessions. So I don't know what I what, what may make. I don't follow other channels, and it's not because I'm not interested. I just try to keep it clean. You know, I just keep I keep the room clean. I let them come through, and I'm always happy when somebody says, "Oh, so and so saying something similar." I say, "Well, good. That must, you know, that must mean it's out there for everybody." But there is an energetic transmission that comes through the books and comes through me when I work. You know, I'm a radio and I'm a radio for the information and also for the energy of the guides when they choose to work. So people come to the workshops and have usually very palpable experiences with the energy. And that's true online as well, because we moved everything online in the last year. Um, yeah. And, you know, and also there's just such a magnitude of teaching. They, they also, and I will say this, they don't teach to current events. They're not about being popular and jumping on a bandwagon. They're spiritual teachers, and they come through with the teaching, and that's what their job is, and that's what I show up for as well. Yeah, I. Um, what I meant by that, you know, is that, number one, you do just basically dictate the book okay. i mean it just comes through you which to me is astounding um I, I i i think you said you know somewhere you you get in the back seat and they just i know yeah mm -hmm. yeah for maybe i in any manuscript there may be three words that get corrected you know that i either spoke they were i was you know speaking so fast but but i whisper and then repeat and the transcriptionist and the woman who proofs the transcripts usually can find it, you know, on the whisper. So, but yeah, that's the rule. It was the rule when I started, you know, and with the, with my first publisher for the very first book, I am the word. I just said, you know, I don't want to change anything because then it's not a channel text. And I, I have a challenge sometimes when people say, well, this is my channel text, but that they had an editor rewrite the thing. And I go, well, then it's not, you know, then it's your book. Nothing wrong with it being your book and it being inspired. But, you know, the guides I work with use words that I, I mean, I sort of know that they're words. I don't know what they mean. It happened again last week. I was doing a group and people had to look it up, you know, and I, I forget <laughs> the word too, but I find that interesting and a bit of a relief that that kind of thing happens. I, I find it fascinating. I also find it validating, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, because if if something's coming out of your mouth and you're like, what is that? I don't ever say that. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, where is it coming from? Mm -hmm. um, I, I would imagine this is kind of perhaps a simple question, but um, you don't have any idea what you're going to say, right? You just I'll know the title of a series if I'm doing an online series and I, I'm given the title of the series and just hope that they'll reference it in their teachings. I'm not given the title of the book until the book is being dictated. That's only happened once and I was given the title in advance. Um, you know, and I was assuming they might have changed it by the time they started, but they didn't. So they're they're pretty consistent. But no, I don't know what the book's about. I don't know what the chapter's about. I know what the, what the channeling of the day is about. And, you know, that's on one level comforting because you can't prepare anything. I mean, I actually, I'm doing another book now. They're about halfway through and it's been coming very, very fast. They did about a hundred pages last week in front of, in front of a group. And I'm grateful that it came so fast, but the good news is it's coming so fast that I'm not retaining it and I don't want to go back and read it. 
And, you know, when I start again, I think, well, I guess I should read what they wrote so I know where they're starting. And then I hear no, because it's not my book. So it's better that I don't, because then I end up presupposing or thinking, well, this should be, this should be the end of part one, or this should be moving into this idea. And that's not my place here. You know, it's not my book. I, I'm thinking of a couple of things because, <laughs> you know, you're a person, right? <laughs> just pointing out the obvious, but um, do you ever just get exhausted or do you ever not want to channel? I mean, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, but. I'm exhausted right now. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, they've done 140, 150 pages since the end of August, you know, 40 pages in a live stream and then about another hundred in front of people. And I'm hearing this book will be done September. I was hoping it would be done in August and just, you know, they've done books in two weeks before. Just if I sit every day for an hour or two hours, they'll do it. But lately, I mean, I, you know, for what I've scheduled this month, I had to schedule a small group to be present for the dictation because I can't channel without a listener. And so I've got an hour every morning set up and, you know, that'll, they'll do probably 30, 30 to 50 minutes of text, you know, in a, in a setting, but I'm, I'm tired and I'm, I don't, I'm not bad tired. I'm good tired. I'm grateful for the work that I do, but I don't often have the time to assimilate it as perhaps a reader does. Yes. I'm so busy taking the dictation that there are moments when it all sounds sort of the same. And there are moments when I go, oh, my God, this is getting really crazy. I don't know that I can do this. But, you know, then they explain my concerns because that's one of the things, the permissions that I do have is if I'm hearing something from them in a text or in a workshop that I'm overly challenged by, they will address my concern, you know, and explain it. And then we get to keep going. Yeah. Um. I, I was smiling because your your sweet Lily came and just oh, yeah. spread out in the back there. And I went, yeah, that's about how, <laughs> that's about right. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being in the same space there with uh-huh. you. Yeah. That's really great. Um, I'm also um, kind of being with, you know, this is their books. These are their books. This is ninth, the ninth book. Yeah. Um, they obviously have some things to say to us. And I'm, I'm also thinking about, um, my gosh, how much your life has changed in the last year, year, yeah. little over a year, um, you know, due to the pandemic and, mm-hmm. and relocating. Do you want to mm-hmm. share anything about that with the audience so they can catch up with you? I can. Um, you know, I was a lot, pretty much a lifelong New Yorker. I lived on Cape Cod for junior high school and high school and ran back to New York when I was 17 and intended to stay there until I was dead. And um, I was channeling in Costa Rica um, last March. And I was there when New York City went into lockdown and I wasn't able to go home. And I was trying to figure out where I might go. And I had a friend who was on Maui who said, well, come here. And he found me a tiny house to stay in and a plain itinerary that I could take. And I found myself on Maui. You know, I had a new apartment in New York that I hadn't even moved into. It was like my dream apartment. I never spent a night there. I've been on Maui ever since. I never went home. You know, I never went home. My guys used to teach in these workshops 
they'd say to everybody, you know, you think you have to go home, but you don't. You think you have to go home and do the dishes and pay your, but you don't, you're choosing to, just know that you're choosing to. And this time I came here. And so I'm having a very different life and I'm very grateful for it. And um, I wake up every day and I'm surprised that this is what happened. Um, but every step of the way here felt guided in a way that I, the guides talked about, and I don't know that I'd fully experienced. And I'm having the experience now in many ways that my guides have been teaching in their books of sort of trusting that it, your needs will be met before you ask. It's a very different way of being in the world and working with spirit than I have known thus far. So I'm humbled by it and grateful for it. Um, and they did a book here, The Kingdom Was Dictated, you know, when I was, you know, staying in this little house in, in Makawao, you know, and um, that's what happened. And this is where I am. So my life has changed completely. And wow. I'm a happier camper, I have to say, um, as much as I do love New York, I don't feel the drive to be back there right now, maybe one day but not for some time. I'm, I'm blown away uh, by what you said, and, and thank you. You actually asked some questions. I wasn't sure if it was okay if I asked, right? Because they're personal. But um, uh, I kind of wanted to interview you, right? Yeah, and find out right. what was going on with you. Um, yeah, uh, living what it is that your guides have been <laughs> telling us. I think trust is a big deal. I um actually wrote down some things that that came out of the book um, just so that they would they would come from there but there's a, a place that talks about fear mm -hmm. it talks about the potential that we're in and uh, I'm sort of being you know so many people come to me and they'll they'll be like Loretta what is the what is the truth and what's not the truth and you know what are the facts what what do we know what do we not not know? And this idea of trust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not great with trust, truthfully. Um, but I was in a position here where I kind of had to. And I think I had a belief here, for whatever reason, that things were going to be okay. And not only were they okay, everything sort of showed up as needed. And it's not that I didn't have to get out of bed and meet what was showing up. You always have to do your part. But I think, you know, trust, I don't know, trust and faith. The guides, there's a claim in the new book that the guides work with. And they say, God is, God is, God is. And they say the only real problem any of us are really contending with is what they call the denial of the divine which is deciding that the divine can't be in a situation or in a person or a group of people or whatever. And they say who you put in darkness and what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. It's really very simple. What you damn, who you damn, damns you back. And this is a teaching of vibrational accord. And what you bless, which in the blessing they say is realizing the presence of the divine upon something blesses you in return. And that's been my experience here, you know, and um, and maybe because there was a lot to bless and a lot to be graceful for, but there was also an enormous amount to let go of. I mean, I basically let go of just about everything I, I owned. You know, my my assistant 
lived in my fancy apartment in New York for the year. <laughs> we had a great year, you know. Before the food was I was living in a tiny house in Macawau with the, you know, the uh, hot plate for a big chunk of time and my one suitcase, you know. And I realized how little I needed, you know, at the time. Wow. I learned that I didn't need what I thought I did. And I found wonderful community here. It was a lot of synchronicity, but I've become, you know, friends with um, the, the satsang um, at the Ram, at Ram Das's. Ram Das, yeah. yeah. And I've been so surrounded by some really wonderful people that are showing me what it means to, to be part of community in a real way. Wow. So I, I couldn't be happier about it. I, I love that. Um, I also noticed that, I don't know when you started doing this, maybe you started doing this years ago where the guides will come through and they will sound or sing through you. Well, they, they, they started it maybe two years ago infrequently. Um, and they're doing it a lot these days. They did it. They've done it in the new books, the new, the newest they do it in the kingdom, but they do it in the new book a lot. The guides say there's one note played in the universe that manifests in all things. One sound that is an articulation is all things. And they call that the word, you know, sometimes, or, you know, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, we, they say we and everything we see is an articulation and a dense form of that one note played. So, when they invoke that tone or that note, they seem to be working to create a, a template for things to happen and things to transform that happen beyond the intellect and beyond our understanding or, and beyond our small percent personality self's desire, what should be, who we think we should be and how things should look. Because everything that we think we want, for the most part, is coming from a template that says, well, this is what you should want and you should have and you should have a career and you should have a this and a that. And so we all run around saying, well, I'm supposed to have these things. And then we look to spirit to give us those things. And then suddenly we're in a relationship with a catalog and not <laughs> consciousness, you know. Yeah, I, I actually love what you're saying. Um I, I was thinking if if you've been singing with the satsang and Ramdas, you know, because I love music. I'm a musician, mm -hmm. and um, I think it brings us into community. I think it. Oh, joins, it's great! You know, I don't know what I'm singing when I do kirtan. <laughs> I'm so happy to be invited when I'm invited. So no, no idea. It's, it's what we call a mitzvah in New York. Oh, I think that's perfect. I, I I don't think you should know what you're saying, right? <laughs> you know, um, you know, as children, we just go la la la, right? Yeah. <laughs> we just make words up. So uh, maybe that's okay. Um, I also love this uh, comment that you made about, you know, we 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 want what we think we should want, right? Yeah. 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 I yeah in the fall of uh, 2019 before all of this I I felt called to go do a a little jaunt about Mount Kailash in in Tibetan province right mm -hmm. and um, I, I I gotta be honest with you I'm I'm way too old now to shape to be climbing up to 18,500 yeah. feet right but there I am doing it and I've got my backpack and I don't have much in it 
And at one point I thought, I don't need this backpack. I just need air, <laughs> right? I think I'll get rid of it and, and just walk. Cause you know, what do you need? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's that trust. Can you, will you be okay? Will you be taken care of? I think it's uh, an amazing journey. Just amazing. Yeah. So um, we're going to take a little station break and we'll be right back. We're going to catch our breath. And my guest today is Paul Selig. Um, Like I said, one of my favorite people on the planet and his books, his The Messages from the Guides. I do that thing right there because I do and uh, you're going to want to get it it is the third book the in the beyond the known trilogy and uh, I'm Loretta Brown we'll be right back with Paul Selleck energy is powerful it's all around us mysterious full of potential directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress sadness anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Noah with your health tip of the day from the African American Wellness Project. Asthma affects 25 million people nationwide, and every day 10 people die with it with African-American women and children being most at risk. Early warning signs include coughing, especially at night, or with exercise and wheezing. Almost all asthma can be effectively managed with a good action plan. So talk with your doctor today, and for more information, visit aawellnessproject.org. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. And stay tuned. Coming up next is an encore presentation of the original Loretta Brown show. Loretta decided to take the day off. So until then, we're going to encore you a show she did last month with author and psychic medium Paul Selig. And it's all about beyond the known realization. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown show. And I am Loretta Brown, imagine that. And uh, I'm the original, in case you get confused. So you can find all of my shows archived on the KKNW site, as well as Podcast One, iTunes, Spotify. I think we're even on Audible. And there's lots and lots of shows. And you're going to want to go back and find the previous shows that I've done with my guest today, Paul Selleck, because they are good. Every time he comes on, it is just a delight and uh, a blessing. So his newest book, The Kingdom, the third book in the Beyond the Known trilogy. I know some of you have been waiting for the third book because you read book one and book two. That's how that works. Um, do you have more books coming out, Paul? Or Well, yeah. I mean, yeah? I'm, channeling, I'm channeling the 10th book now. Oh. Um, so, and I, I've agreed to two or two more after that and a memoir. So I'll be working 
for a little while, the memoir I, I'm looking forward to because it won't be channeled. It'll be me sort of trying to sort out this whole odd experience that was, you know, still happening. But yeah, the books, I mean, I, I sort of, I, I hope the next three is it. I just don't know how much more there is for them to say. But I, you know, I thought that after pretty much every book, well, they're done. There's nothing to say. And what they're teaching now is beyond what they've taught before. Yeah. And it makes sense to me when I understand what they're doing, why we needed some preparation. So for where, where they intend to take us. I, I look forward to your memoir. I'm I'm really fascinated by how your life has gone one way or an, and another and how the channeling came in. And uh, you've probably been asked this question before, and I, I think I already know the answer, but you don't even try to define who the guides are, right? Yeah. I mean, I have a relationship with whatever this consciousness is. Um, there is a name I've been given, which is a the name of a collective, it's the name Melchizedek. And I, I, when they say it, they occasionally say, well, if you want, if you want us to give you a name, you may use this one. But I, I have a real, not, uh, it's not that I don't care about the name so much, but I find in the community that there can be a tremendous attachment to names, which I find is actually ego-based. And it's like people have these charm bracelets with here I am with, you know, 12 ascended masters and 15 angels. And this is who you're going to get when you talk to me. And I don't know, maybe, maybe this doesn't work that way for me. You know, it's not, it's not to criticize anybody else. I call them the guides because my ex years ago, um, when my ex found out I could do this because I've been keeping it a secret, used to say, ask the guides this, ask the guides that. And suddenly there was a resident psychic in the house, you know, who could, you know, help with decision-making. Um, and that's, and they don't seem to mind that, um, but they come as a we, um, although I was channeling last week and somebody burst out with an eye and was very funny about their decision. Oh. And I, I, it was, it was a riot. I mean, it wasn't anything that I was expecting. I was, I, you know, what the guys have said, I, I've sort of had a little bit of a, you know, an upgrade, but there's some some more joining the team now. And I think that oh. was joining the team who was announcing. And I think it was a herself because the the references were were, were quite specific. Um, and they were great, you know, but they were all about sewing and embroidery and things I know nothing <laughs> about, you know, but these metaphors were like cooking and ladles and you know, anyway, that's what was coming through. <laughs> if there's quilting my sisters will love it i'm just saying you know in case there's quilting coming out <laughs> they haven't talked about quilting you know yeah but yeah my friend natalie sudman who's a wonderful psychic and, and author is a quilter so i have one of natalie's quilts here oh which yeah I yeah art form yeah quilts are special they're magical um so i i have to ask you this question because i'm thinking about it so you are, quote, the resident psychic, right? So if you're in the room with people, do they expect you to be channeling or doing psychic stuff? Do you get a day off or a night off or how well, does that work? I want to. No, I mean, the resident with my ex, I was the resident psychic. Oh, but gotcha. Yeah, okay. no, when I don't, it doesn't occur to me. I was saying this to somebody the other day. It doesn't occur to me to tune into people in my life. Like, unless I'm getting stood up at a restaurant and I'll go, or, you know, where I'll tune in to see if they're stuck in traffic or if they forgot or 
that's the end of the date. So, but other than that, it doesn't occur to me much. And um, I've learned not to um, start reading for people who don't ask. Yeah. Um, that yeah. used to be a way for me to get some, I don't know, in the old days when it was newer, some acceptance or approval or when it's not, it's, you know, people don't need to hear it. If they ask, maybe I'll do it. But I work with clients and, um, and the guides are, I get a break, but, you know, the guides are present with me and not to answer the questions that I want necessarily, but they're very helpful with my not making choices based in fear. And they're usually very helpful, helpful telling me when to keep my mouth shut when I want to open it, oh, my foot okay. in it, or start some start some trouble. They're pretty good at saying not now or not wise. Or when I was in academia and I was stuck on you know faculty meeting phone calls for two hours at a time, it was very useful to be told when not to when not to sort of get involved and provoke a a little bit of a war among the factioning parties. So I've, I've taken that lesson to heart. Yeah, I think there's great wisdom in um, having a very clear boundary about that, right? Yeah. And um, sometimes I say the store is closed. Good one, yeah. Yeah, store is closed and Loretta's just hanging with you. So I have, let's have I some have fun. I used to say my antenna's bent. She said, <laughs> today nothing's coming through i thought that's great you know yeah, i love that um so i i want to ask you so the name of your book the kingdom so what is the kingdom the guides say that the kingdom is the realization of the inherent divine in all manifestation it's the level of consciousness that you come to and it's an awareness of source as all things um they say, you know, that God sees God in all its creation. So it's a level of alignment to what is already true. The guides say, you know, you can't make anything holy. It already is. But you can deny the holiness in anything and everything. And for the most part, we've done that. So they're bringing yeah, us yeah. a place of, you know, agreement to our, what they would say, our true nature. But they can't do this. You see, you can't see... You know, you can't find the divine in yourself if you're busy denying it in somebody else. It's just hypocrisy. I mean, people try, but it doesn't really work, you know. And um, they say if you deny the divine in your body, you probably are going to be divining, you know, denying the divine in all physical manifestation and form, you know. So if God is the tree, God is also your fingertips. And if God is all things, God is also present in the one that you can't stand or disagree with. I mean, and they're challenging teachers teachings none of this is terribly convenient but I, I i believe it to be true well and that goes back to what you said earlier about god is god is god is yeah. so god is in everything everything you don't get to cherry pick yeah i think that is a challenging teaching but i also am very aware of the timeliness of this channeled text um especially because you channeled it last year when you were going through so much that I'm blown away by, you know, the fact you could channel it. Apparently your state of, of mind or emotion doesn't get in the way of them channeling the text. Well, funnily enough, the king, I was pretty peaceful when I was channeling. Mm. There was, okay. you know, I was, I, there was nothing I could do about so much except show up. 
and I was living very simply and enjoying the simplicity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was in a little rental house and, you know, nothing there was mine and meant anything. So that was easy. The book before that, which was Alchemy. Oh, Alchemy. And, I yes. was poor, and that when I was falling apart during, I thought that book should be published with a warning. I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. But, you know, the guides will use anything to catalyze me in, in, in this process. And they have, you know, so in other words, if I, if they want to teach something, guess who gets to have the experience of it that they're going to teach about, you know, and I, there were times with that book when I was, you know, crying and then having it on the stage and then channel and the, and the book was beautiful. I had no idea it would even make sense. Kingdom was actually pretty peaceful as far as books go. Good. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alchemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking how appropriate alchemy, because you're falling apart and having to put yourself back together. So yeah. that was an alchemical process for sure. Oh, yeah. al- alchemy is about maintaining the vibration of the upper room yeah. or this higher level of consciousness they teach and, and how we have to let go of the crap in order to begin to do that. So as I was letting go of a lot of crap. But you so, can't let something go when you're denying it. So. <laughs> no. Uh, can you tell for those listeners who are not familiar with your work, what is the upper room and what is the small self? And sure. uh, I think you use the word true self. Yeah. Well, the guides say that the small self, which they don't condemn, it's not a bad thing, is really just the personality structure. It's who we think we are. And they say the small self knows itself through historical data. So it's what your parents said and, you know, right. the you were brought up with and the culture of your birth and all of these things that contribute to the idea of self. But they say that the idea of self isn't what we truly are and that the, what that we truly are is, is the, well, they they call it the true self and they say the true self is the eternal self and the eternal self expresses beyond time and space and knows who it is and doesn't align to fear because fear is a creation of the lower realm you know this they they say that we're living in an octave and an octave is made up of high and low notes and the upper room they say is the octave above the one that we've been entrained in so their teaching is to bring us to the upper room where the true self or the divine self can be made manifest can be expressed in form as who and what we are And that's where alchemy happens. And that's how the kingdom is accessed. You're not going to access the kingdom from the basement, but you can go up in vibration and tone and and frequency. But there are certain things that keep us from that, which is our determination to operate in separation and damn the hell out of everyone and everything we see. And we can do that if we want. It just keeps us stuck and it keeps us at war and it keeps us in poverty and all of those other things. Yeah, I actually um, uh, copied a couple of things out of your book that um, are going along with what you said. Um, In the introduction, you talk about the times, and this is uh, for the listeners, this is straight out of Paul's channel text, The Kingdom. So it's, these are the words of the guides. The times you sit in are fraught with fear and also with great potential how you identify through these times will support not only you, but all you encounter in a much higher way than you can imagine. 
to become the doorway to what we call the upper room is to be assumed by it, by the true self who expresses in manifestation and through vibrational accord lifts all things she encounters to a higher strata beyond fear, beyond claims of separation and beyond the reliance of historical data to tell you what you see and what it means. Everything created in fear must now be re-known. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful. It's, a, I mean, in some ways, that's the whole book, I suppose, in that, in that distillation that you just read. I, I haven't looked at the book since I did the audio book, and, but that's it. That's really what they're teaching. They're teaching about becoming the doorway to the upper room, which is embodiment where what you see and what you encounter is lifted by nature of your presence. That's the teaching. But they've said this again and again, we have to befriend the unknown. You know, we're not going to get what we've known. That much I hear again and again and again. I don't think we go back to an ordinary in this world. I think the world is in great change. And this must be seen as opportunity. Yeah, I agree with you. I A lot of times people come to me and they're like, Oh, Loretta, I want to go back. We got to go back the way it was, right? And I go, but we can't go back, you know. And part of that is because we're changed forever. You, you, you know, how do you unknow what you know? And like you say, and the other part of that is, is because you know a lot of people are like they know what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want because they've never really had it. Perhaps I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a journey. It's definitely a journey. You also uh, put in your book, and I'm just reading here so that, you know, the guides come into the show gently, right? Um, But you, they're talking about the kingdom near the end of the book. And the guides say, um, uh, they, they become the kingdom, you become the kingdom, the expressions of the teaching. And then I love this, it says Paul interrupts the teaching. So I'm letting the readers know that I love when that's in there and Paul's interrupting. Yeah. And Paul interrupts the teaching. I love what you say, but I witness the world in division. I'm still frightened of things that could happen. How am I on the ship, let alone being the ship? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the question. That's the enigma. Like, how, how do we become that doorway? And well, this I'm is just, my understanding. Um, yeah, there's an aspect of you, or an aspect of me, or an aspect of anyone who already is, and that aspect exists in what they call the upper room, or the higher octave, or the higher tonality or vibrational field. It really doesn't matter what you call it. So what we're doing is we're reclaiming the aspect of us that is already there. So, you know, it's like many years ago, I was doing a workshop and it was the Apollo Center in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And the guides were teaching one of their attunements, which is I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. And there was a student who kept raising her hand saying, well, I'm sorry, but I don't know. And you're telling me to say that I know and I don't know. And I kept saying the aspect of self that claims this is the true self, 
at the level of the true self, it's always true. The God within, if you want to call it that, knows who it is, knows what it is, and knows how it serves or how it expresses. It became like a debate, and I was finally, I just sort of gave up. But what that is, is this mistake that we're framing all of this through the lens of personality. So the guides once said in a class, somebody said, oh, this guy, this means I get to become the Christ. And should have heard the guide on that. And they said, you know, you don't become the Christ. The Christ becomes you. And there is a difference there. Do you understand this? A lot of the teachings that float around seem to sort of entail the idea of the deification of personality. I am going to be magical. I am going to do this and that. And that's not what I see really works. That's the personality self putting on its costume and, and, and playing with spirit. And I think that that's a phase people go through and maybe a necessary and an important one. But then there's this other thing, which is the idea of becoming conduit or becoming expression, not at the cost of, of, of the small self as much as the idea of the small self being the one that has to run the show and get what he or she wants, because that's what God's supposed to do is give us what we want. You know, that's <laughs> the the great wish fulfilling God. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I'm sitting with what you said because that is, uh, that's so to the point. The deification of personality, and you're absolutely right. And and with all um, due respect to everybody listening, um, you know, I have you know, like, like you've been around for a while, right? Like 30 years, right? Yeah. And you might've been around longer. I don't know. But in, in all the work that I've done with people through the years, I have noticed what I call the phases of the spiritual path. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is important at some level to wake up to an idea that we are greater than just this, you know, definition by history, you know, this mm -hmm. personality, there is much more to us. Um, but also there is a, and, and this is probably not quite the right vernacular, the dying to the self. Yeah, there is. I feel that there is. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was first waking up spiritually and I grew up something of an atheist, so I wasn't, this was a big step, but I had, you know, crystals and pictures of deity i was like every wall was plastered it looks like you know those whenever you see like a movie and there's a psycho killer and they open up the door <laughs> and the ball, like this stuff on the wall like that was me at 25 but at that point i needed those props i needed yeah. them i counted on them because this thing was so tentative and so new and then it becomes a process of sort of being i think i'm not the most evolved guy that i know i have friends that are you know, I look, look up to some of these kids in the Ram Dass group and I go, my God, if I 27, if I knew what they knew, I'd be, you know, my God, it's so amazing. You know, my path has been nothing. It has not been graceful. It's been like the bumper car rides, you know, and each time you get bumped, you throw up off the side of the car and, you know, lose your wallet and something like that happens, you know, and it's still like that in some ways. But I accept that as the, as the road. You know what I mean? It's it's just what it is. So, you know, I think that there are stages. And I think what you said was was very apt and very true. Yeah, I <laughs> like I said, yes, I've been there. 
done that. Mm -hmm. How many crystals can you have, right? How many statues can you have? How many crystals, by the way, can you wear at the same time to protect you from everything out there, right? Yeah. So there is this in, internalizing process or this growth process. Um, when uh, I went on my vision quest years ago, I remember that I had um, a tarp and a jug of water, and that was about it because I was seeking a vision, right? I wanted to do the wanted to do it right, and it started raining, and I was so glad I had my tarp and stretched it between the trees, and I'm sitting under the tarp, and I was breathing into my heart, and I was trying to find a place of strength within the heart. And I heard very clearly, you have just taken an external structure and made it internal. And uh, I just think that's what you're talking about. I hope, maybe, you know, I don't know anymore. You know, I really don't. I, I know less now than I think I... <laughs> well, yeah, but that's wisdom. <laughs> Don't you sometimes though, Paul, because I feel this way, like, I'm just a child. I, I love what you said earlier, like my antenna's bent, like, I don't know anything. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They're channeling another book. I'm still going, oh my God, I don't get it. And some days I think I do get it. And then I feel the energy and then I get that because I know that that's true. And then I look around and I'm living a very different life and I'm grateful for the life I'm living. Yeah. And in a way that I don't know that I'd been before, you know, I think I always thought that life would start when, you know, like, well, this, like when they say life is not a dress rehearsal, I think I thought it was a dress rehearsal. <laughs> and the idea of sort of postponing peace or joy or happiness until I was at some other stage was very present for me without even my knowing it, you know, and I, I don't feel that anymore. Like, you know, when I lose 40 pounds, when I'm partnered, when, you know, I don't think that, I don't know why it just doesn't, it's just not there. You know, it's just this, whatever this is, and this is okay right now. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm hearing in my mind things like, um, um, you know, I'm okay. Right. Yeah. Like it's okay. And one of the things I've noticed coming out of this past year, you know, maybe for me and for all my clients too, is this revisiting of the simplicity of life. It's the little things, you know, that truly matter. Yeah. And it's a hug or uh -huh. like, I can see your face, right? <laughs> you know, I can pet the dog and I could take a walk and yeah. yeah. Maybe that's part of accessing the kingdom, you know. Oh, I don't think, I think accessing the kingdom is being present for it. And you can only be present for it in the present moment. Yeah. You don't get to it tomorrow or yesterday. You can only access God in the moment you sit in, whatever God is for you. That's it. Yeah, whatever God is for you. Yeah, yeah. So we have more books coming. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really great. And your memoir. And the memoir. Yeah. And what else do you offer people? 
Well, I do a monthly online intensive. Um, I do one every month. Uh, it's a five day, five evenings, depending on where you are in whatever time zone, but most people it's evening. Um, and I do a Wednesday night teaching um, most every Wednesday night. Um, they're a series of mini classes, you know, five, five weeks on such and such. And I still do privates, um, although not as many as I used to do. Uh-huh. And, um, and that's it. And I'm starting to tour again. We'll see, you know, if it happens. I'm supposed to go to Austin in October. Oh, and maybe, maybe Portland and um, maybe Sedona. I don't know. And maybe I'm doing something in Unity in Kansas City, Missouri at their, at their center. So that's the first time back out on the road in over a year. So we'll see. And, um, and this is what I do. You know, I play with my dog. I <laughs> breathe in beautiful Maui air and that's it. You know, that sounds wonderful. Sounds, sounds lovely. Uh, so you are doing a few private sessions. What's a private session like with you? Well, you know, they call me a medium for the living. So, you know, the guides come through, but it's not, I'm not channeling on, you know, the, how the universe works in one-on-one sessions. But what I do, and this is the psychic work, um, I'm a radio, so I'm channeling the guides. The guides come through. But if you're estranged from your sister and you give me your sister's name and she's still alive, I can probably hear her. So I tune into the living. I mean, that's why I sort of, I often sort of start to look like them and I can sort of broker conversations at a higher level. So I'm not doing a lot of fortune telling. That's not what I care about. I mean, there's some precognitive things that occur in a reading, but I do a lot of work with relationships and where people are stuck in spiritual growth because the guides do come in for that because that's their topic. Got it. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, where can people find your book? Where do they find you? And you have audiobooks out too. I'm letting everybody know the audiobooks. Audiobooks are for all of them, including the kingdom. Um, the books, you yeah. can get them online at any of the, the booksellers, Amazon, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble. Um, my website has the information on all the workshops and classes. That's just my name, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. And... Um, I'm sure there are links to purchase the books and audiobooks there as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. I enjoyed our conversation so much. So much aloha to you. Uh, you. Love love to you. Thanks, thanks to your guides. And have fun with that beautiful group on Maui. And, and give Lily a little hug. Right? I will. Thank you for having me, Loretta. <laughs> I enjoyed it as well. Thank thanks. you very much. Bye-bye now.